0: All um, right, back to the Equipped, Bruised, Tired podcast. Um, here, as always, with my co-host and um, fellow lifter, I suppose.
1: <laughs> describe each other <laughs> now. That's the official <laughs> rhetoric.
0: Bryce Karacich. Um, and
1: uh, yeah, how's uh, how's Calgary town again? Man, Calgary got pummeled by a storm last night. Yeah, like there were boats rescuing people on Deerfoot. What there were cars completely underwater, like golf ball, egg-sized hail, just oh. hammering parts of the city and surrounding area, and we had like a rainstorm in our in our hood. So we we're super lucky, but wow. the city got beat up last night. That's crazy. We yeah. had like
0: crazy high winds all day yesterday, like eighty kilometer an hour winds, and I figured there must be a storm coming. And I don't think we got anything out of it. Yeah, no. it. So, got... sounds like you guys got it all. We got it.
1: It all came here. How's training with you? you doing some more uh, big raw benching, hey? Uh,
0: I, I guess I will be today. We're recording Sunday. Oh, okay. So right. um, I usually train right now, but we did a, a interview before this that's unrelated to this episode. But So yeah, I'll be, I'll be training probably just after this. And then hopefully we'll keep pushing the raw bench up a little bit. Have Having yeah. fun doing single leg work. So actually in, having as an interesting Motivational thing to try and push like single leg split squats and single leg mm-hmm. RDLs and you know
1: single it, leg RDLs. Hey,
0: yeah, fifty kilos on a single leg RDL is really freaking. Oh yeah, tough and really makes your glutes sore. <laughs> like yeah, I could barely walk the next day.
1: So, um, we prescribed some of those in our in our like no equipment programming that we've been doing for the COVID stuff and uh one of the things that somebody found was if if you put your your rear or your, the leg that you're not using up against the wall behind you it can kind of help stabilize you and and you can get a little bit of work out of that leg in stabilizing you that sounds and like that cheating might allow to you to kind of push the weights a little higher
0: that sounds like cheating i, the, I uh... don't know
1: it depends what your your goal is if it's balance yeah. or right now for me i, I think it's
0: to to build the stability in the hips so i think um I've also seen uh, like Greg Knuckles do like 1RM single leg RDLs with like 315 <laughs> or something. Uh, but he keeps his rear foot actually like planted about a foot behind him. Oh, okay, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I've seen that too.
0: But yeah, I, I don't think I'll be doing I don't think I'll be doing any like single leg RDL 1RMs sort of thing, but so but it's interesting. It was just interesting to have to kind of change perspective and focus on that and I actually find that I'm more motivated for training right now. All right. Um, And it's a fresh block too. So fresh movements
1: kind of helping You can kind of expect progress at that point. Right. When you're doing something that you're like, I am terrible at this. I will (laughs) inevitably be better at this next week. It's pretty hard not to be better than this really. (laughs) So yeah. 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 So that's, uh,
0: that's kind of the, the interesting stuff going on over here, but uh, you, you're still on a pivot or a washout.
1: Yeah. Um, Hopefully find some time to chat with Mike about the next block um, coming up here today, I guess. Um, only got two sessions in again this last week, but, um, actually feeling pretty good about it all, given that, uh, you know, coming into and going out, you know, going through pivot work, if I can maintain squat work with, uh, you know, E1RM in that 300 kilo range raw, then I'm, I'm in a really good spot. Um, and I was able to take, I think right after my, my big 320 there, I took, like 225 for my first pivot workout and was like, whoa, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> but then I was able to squat 255 for a triple this week and it was no pain, no issue, no nothing and all my backup work was fine. So normally at the beginning of a developmental block, I'll have to kind of take it easy for a few weeks but I think I took it appropriately easy during the washout and should be in a really good spot to start the next block. So that's kind of exciting. Um, gym's opened up here yesterday too. So all right. not sure when exactly I'll go back, but probably head back sooner rather than later it's just tough to uh go from walking down the stairs back to like a 25 minute drive either way so
0: yeah have to wrestle with that a little bit it's interesting because um this whole gym closures stuff like for us we had we were set up in a gym called red goat Mm -hmm. um so all of our equipment was there and uh we've been there since man either 2016 or 2017 i can't remember yeah it's been and i think 2016 and, uh, so we've been there for a few years, but, uh, they decided they're going to downsize to a smaller facility earlier. So basically mm-hmm. along with their closure, we also got kicked out and <laughs> had to find a new space. So, right. um, we, uh, which actually kind of worked out a little bit cause we, we took all of our equipment and distributed it to members. So everyone ha- has something at home basically. Right. Um, so this is the first time I've actually really trained at home, but now we have to pull everything out of people's houses to put into a new space and um i don't know like i just don't know if people like so gyms reopened here on monday Mm -hmm. um on the 8th and uh i don't know if like i'm expecting like a a, another wave of this and then to close stuff down so Mm -hmm. i'm I'm just kind of like concerned about pulling all the stuff out of people's houses putting in a gym and then having them close gyms again and having to do it all in reverse
1: i think that's kind of
0: yeah so I'm, I'm really torn because, like, I'm kind of excited to go train into a new space and our kind of our space again because we we had our own space for I don't know 10 years, uh, before mm-hmm. sharing that that space with Red Goat and now oh I
1: remember, <laughs>
0: yeah yeah you did your first my meet my first there.
1: meet was down there underneath yeah. the mall yeah
0: yeah exactly, um, so to go back to our own space I'm excited about that and all sort of stuff but I'm also kind of leery about it and mm-hmm. and the whole do we train with masks do we not wear masks do because you... they're not requiring it but you should if you're within six feet of each other and so it's all this sort of like excitement but nervous and mm-hmm. plus like yeah i can walk across to the garage and train and be and i mean and moose jaw. so it's 10 minutes to get to the gym either way but right it's still it's it's a process right you're packing a gym mm-hmm. bag you're packing mm-hmm. stuff up and you're going instead of just walking across and training and yeah. i'm certainly lucky to have the ability to train with the equipment i have and and yeah. uh but yeah so it's kind of a weird like emotional roller coaster of to get back to training with people and train a new space and, but, ugh, you know, I really like the the convenience that we have right now. So exactly.
1: Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of people kind of grappling with that right now and I'm not sure there's a, a clear cut answer or a right or wrong. Uh, I think it'll be like a process of sort of seeing how things go over the next little while.
0: Yeah. and it's I mean, for a number of people that built home gyms now, like uh, do you, do you stay like in your home gym? Go back? You, yeah. Yeah. It's, who knows? Um yeah, it's interesting. Interesting times for sure. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I don't know. Training's interesting and we're we're hoping to get back to training in a group here soon-ish. Yeah. Um so that'll be kind of fun. It's been it's
1: been a while. Well, I mean, people gotta get back into equipment at some point, right? So you gotta get back to, uh back to your equipped communities, right?
0: Yeah, and that's part of the equipped lifting and equipped is that you're kind of I mean, in most cases, not I was going to say forced to train with other people, but um, it encourages training with other people yeah. to, for safety, right? Yeah. Versus yeah, exactly. now, that's not that's to say like Blaine and Mike back in the day, and there's enough people that train equipped mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. themselves, but it does generally build more of a community. I think just the the shared experience of pain.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I always said that's why CrossFit's so popular is because everyone goes through hardship together yeah they bond
1: yeah i think honestly there's 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 definitely something to be said for that i'm no psychologist but i think that i think that builds bonds going through these these quasi-traumatic experiences (laughs) and only
0: quasi-traumatic
1: yeah i mean i don't think they can be compared to real traumas but that's true that's true um Speaking of community, uh, I think that was a really big topic that we covered um, with the guests that we're about to kick it over to. Uh, we had the opportunity of chatting with Bonica Brown, uh, who has some pretty impressive stats. We we spent some time digging through her Open I P F uh, profile and rankings, and she had 40 first place finishes out of 50 results on Open I P F. So, pretty much just wins everything. Um, that's both classic and equipped, uh, 10 time world champion between the two, uh, and 13 time national champions, uh, between open classic and bench only. So just an expert across a lot of, um, a lot of different sort of disciplines within the sport. And I think one of the things that came across a lot uh, in chatting with Bonica was how much she loves and values Uh, her community and her powerlifting family and traveling and seeing all these people and and what those sort of personal connections mean uh, for her, which is which is a lot. So um, we got into some really cool stuff, including her her athletic uh, history and and sort of, you know, some of the ways that she's found to kind of do her own thing within the sport. Um, So, you know, without much further ado, uh, we'll toss it over to Bonica and we hope you all enjoy and we'll see you next week.
0: All right, well, I'll start by thanking uh, Bonica for joining us today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thanks for coming on to the podcast and spending some time with us.
2: Yes, thank you for inviting me.
0: Cool, awesome. Um, so starting right off, uh, looking back at your com- competitive history on OpenIPF, uh, your first meet that you ever competed in, or at least on there, is called the Michigan Hall of Fame meet. And I'm just curious if that was some sort of foreshadowing for your future success.
2: Uh, oh, wow. So was that in 2003? <laughs>
0: That's right. Yeah, two thousand three. Okay. So I don't really? know if it was actually your first meet, but it was the first one that was in the in the database. So.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, I actually one that wouldn't be recorded. My first official USA powerlifting competition was actually in Plainwell in April two thousand three. So it was called a no frills, which meant there was no medals, no trophies, no nothing. It was just a qualifier meet to be in USA okay. powerlifting. So that was technically my first meet. So I can see why um, open powerlifting wouldn't have that on record. Right. Um, but that was my first meet. And I actually almost bombed out because I didn't understand the commands on bench. Okay. And, and I was a raw lifter. Um, so um, I know I missed my first attempt on bench. I did get my second, but my third I didn't get. But I almost missed my second attempt.
0: Now remind um, me, back then, there would have been no press command, right?
2: So, back then in 2004, uh, 2003 and 2004, what it was, yes, there wasn't a press command for a short right. time. So, like me, I'm one of the original people that went through a lot of these changes of commands and referees on the side. And, and like, um, back then, there was not there was the sternum rule. So, you could not go right. below – I mean, your cycloid process, sorry. You couldn't go below the psychoid process. You had to make sure you had your own motionless pause and then press. But mm-hmm. – I obviously always had somebody on the side saying press command for me, so that rule wasn't a big change for me. Right. Um, but yeah, there wasn't side referees with the hands down; it was all head rough back right. then. Oh, I sound so old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's okay. My first nationals the same way. There was no <gasps> press commands, and and it was so yeah. stressful because like it's just up to the judge to decide. Yeah, he paused long enough.
2: Yes, exactly. It was just that head rough and and then press and go like um but I always had the press command and I always was low. I didn't have to worry about I wasn't a big like archer back then when I went to future nationals and whatnot. But when was that Michigan Hall of Fame meet? <laughs> I think like, it was month?
0: October or September of of 2003.
2: Okay, so I might have gotten into some equip lifting. Like I don't know if I was using a bench shirt by then. Definitely a squat suit and deadlift suit. Bench shirts iffy. I could have been doing that raw.
1: Yeah. (laughs) September, September of
2: 2003. I just looked it back up. Yes. I was a little baby lifter.
1: (laughs) It's really interesting to me that you say that you did that early stuff raw. I think most of the people that I've talked to, like as soon as you start competing, you get into equipment and is it because this was like kind of almost like a pre-competition competition Or, like, how did that work out?
2: Well, so when I started lifting, so, like, my career started just to make it super short. I didn't make the volleyball team. So it was either cheerleading or powerlifting for something to do when I was in high school. And so in Michigan, powerlifting, like, so we had all the high schools would get together and have powerlifting competitions and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. everything was raw back then for at least, you know, because it's Michigan's high school, you know. Um, Except playing well, that's who found the diamond in the rough. But like my first meet was November, uh, December, 2002. Um, so that's how I got to do that meet in April because they saw me a couple times. But so yes and no, everything w- was raw or equipped like USA Powerlifting. Yes, all equipped. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to just like high school, it was, you know, it was all uh, raw. So okay. yes, I lifted raw. I didn't get into equipped right away.
1: Right. Okay. That makes a little more sense. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but so yeah, a lot of people don't know that. But I do remember um like a couple of times when Plainwell was hosting meets, there were people that were lifting raw, you know. Mm-hmm. So it did exist, it just wasn't publicized and whatnot. Wasn't I do really remember the way that some most
1: raw. people did it, maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I remember some older guys and younger kids were lifting raw in the USA parlifting meets, going against the quick lifters. So That's I do cool. remember that.
1: That's really yeah. cool. Um, so I, uh, like I said, I did some some digging today and it looks like you had a really robust athletic history, right? So you, you were a track and field athlete for a while. You threw discus, shot put, hundred meter sprint relay, um, and, and volleyball as well as playing right defense tackle in high high school. Yeah.
2: Defense wins
1: games. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, (laughs) so like have you always been really entrenched in 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 sports and really involved in that stuff or, or when and how did that kind of start for you to to be so so physically involved
2: um it was just school so like junior mm-hmm. high um it was volleyball and then obviously didn't make a team when it came to high school so then it was track and field and power lifting and then it was my mom that actually pushed me to do powerlifting. she's like you can do it you, you you could do it like because she knew she was strong my dad was strong so just like come on you got to have some genes in you to be able to do it
1: all
2: right <laughs> that's basically what it boiled down to
1: that's
2: awesome um, but um it's just like my school we were a small school and so everybody did sports and it was fair like there was girls that did wrestling at my school and i i didn't do that because i cared about parla more um but I also did Olympic lifting, so like hanging out with Plainwell, um, the coaches, the football coaches in Plainwell and uh, Portage Northern, they both had two daughters, so they're like, let's swap, you know, um, sports. I'll teach you weightlifting, you teach me powerlifting, and I got to be thrown in on that mess also. Well, that is a good mess, not a bad That's mess. Awesome. Um, but I also did Olympic lifting as well, so I just became a little athlete when I was younger.
1: Awesome. Um, so was it, was it like high school or uh, sorry, was it like football weight room kind of stuff that exposed you to powerlifting or like, where did that first, like, Oh, Oh shoot. That looks cool. I want to do that kind of thing come from.
2: Oh, I just didn't make the volleyball team.
1: <laughs> so you were already, you were already lifting at that point. Then? Uh,
2: no, no. I, oh, okay. so I didn't make the team. It was a three day tryout. Basically I just didn't fit their mold mm-hmm. of what they wanted for a volleyball player. And so two days later, I started to learn how to do powerlifting and I learned how to lift in. it was a a small classroom. That's what our weight room was at my school. So it wasn't like a big fancy weight room. It was like, I need to someday I'll go back to Michigan. I need to take better pictures and like measure it out. But I'll say 25 to 30, 25 to 30 square foot room. That's Mm -hmm. it yeah that's how I learned the basics of how to lift and then Todd Miller at Plainwell like I said he saw the diamond in the rough and he critiqued me and you know that other people along the way to where I am now but that's how it started in a little classroom and look at the so, dirty spot on the wall to keep my head up on squat
1: that's so right, you knew that's where you were looking at <laughs> exactly
2: yeah. <laughs> it's a dirty spot on the wall. Or like if you're on the bench, it was like something on the ceiling. I don't <laughs> like that's how I learned.
0: <laughs> so was um powerlifting like kind of the basis for your uh your athletic career with like uh track and field stuff like that? Was it was powerlifting kind of first?
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. Powerlifting was first before track and field, and um and then, like, doing powerlifting for a couple years, that's how I was able to do football. Um, like, the guys always teased me that I should do football back in junior high, because when we played soccer, it was kind of more like little rugby.
1: Right, so we, OK. So I
2: was, I was defense <laughs> to protect the goal. And I kind of ran into people. And they me. Nobody wanted to get in my area. <laughs> <laughs> so powerlifting helped me get stronger. And that's how I was able to play some football. Awesome.
1: Yeah. So everybody was like, Bonica, you're outlifting me. You should come play football. That was kind of where that started from or what?
2: Yes and no. Honestly, I was made fun of for powerlifting because I was getting stronger than the guys. And yeah. I was traveling across the states and world, you know, going to nationals and, you know, worlds. I was actually getting teased. And so some of the guys, yeah, they were supportive for me being on the mm-hmm. football team. But some were not pretty insecure maybe probably but then they realized i was a good like defense and i was a starter so then they you know i got respect that way you know because i earned my slot to be that position yeah yeah but no i was made fun of yeah believe it or not and i was shy nobody believes me i'm a total 180 from what i what i am now to then i was a shy quiet little naive little girl
1: Nobody's it. I get it. <laughs> do you think that that powerlifting and and sports and that kind of stuff helped you come out of your shell? Do you think that was that was part of it, or was there something else?
2: Oh yes, powerlifting. Yes, but also just getting out of the high school environment okay. and having my first job at a gym. Um, Gold Gym was my first job, and I didn't even tell my boss that I was a serious competitive powerlifter till like months later because in high school, like the definition of humble to them and what they like fed us was shut up don't talk about your accomplishments ever like complete shutdown don't even acknowledge anything basically so mm-hmm. i was always stunned of what i did i could never really that be proud of myself back then um but out of that environment you know being around my coworkers, they made me bring medals and place them on the counter and trophies so they could be like, look at our employee. So it's, That's awesome. it was them that helped me, you know, be who I am now the starting of it. Awesome. Yeah.
1: That's really cool. That's a cool like <laughs> transformation.
0: So like jumping back to, um, you mentioned traveling to international meets as a young person, uh, at 15, I think you competed at the open women's worlds in 2004. Yes which is like incredible. <laughs> yeah, how, like, how do you think that kind of that experience kind of shaped your perspective on powerlifting? Did it, do you, do you think it had an effect on you long-term?
2: Um, well, so like I said, like Todd Miller spotted the diamond in the rough and I was a 90 kilo lifter and he helped coach and train me. And I was a lifter that came out of the blue. Like all these lifters nowadays are used to social media and you know, who's coming, you know, the roster and you know, everybody's numbers. Now, we're in the dark ages. We don't know who's coming until they show up to weigh in. You don't know anything. So I was legit unheard of, and when I won, it really didn't sink in until, like, like, after the competition was over, getting drug tested, and being told I got the slot on the world team. And it's just like, wow, you can really do something with a sport. You can go beyond You know, like, even in high school, like, being introduced to them, like, learning I could go to nationals with this sport. And then now it's, like, I can go to Worlds and compete against other women. Like, it's just, like, even now it's exciting. You know, still, like, the same fire now and then to just travel, meet people, and just keep doing this sport. And I realized then that it was something that I could do my whole life. And, like, one of the people I met, Regina Hackney, back then, and Harriet Hall, seeing them, it's just, like... I'm I'm in the right sport. I'm glad I didn't make the volleyball team. Yeah.
1: yeah absolutely.
2: <laughs> That's true. I'm glad I didn't make it.
1: Absolutely. Do you remember where, where Worlds was that year? Or maybe Ryan, did you yeah. have that pulled up?
2: Or France? Yeah,
1: it was, was where, in sir? France. In France. Okay. Yeah. So was that one of your first like big trips too when you were younger?
2: Yeah. That was how me. how was that experience for you? Um, I, I was dumb and I wore my my uniform. <laughs> and that was really uncomfortable to travel in oh okay <laughs> I was really dumb <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah it was legit and oh, like the airports like I've never flown in my life so mm-hmm. my first flight ever in my life was Chicago Hare to London Heathrow my first flight first in exposure airport. and that's yeah, to airport I'm imagining yeah, a,
1: a seven or eight hour flight or more, yeah.
2: <laughs> I was dumb.
1: Well, so I guess like you also probably learned a lot making those first few mistakes so young, right? Like by this point, you're a very seasoned competitor. So, uh... yeah,
2: don't look American. We got it. <laughs> Blend in with the crowd. <laughs> but, um, like, a funny story like in 2005, when my mom and I had to go to Finland for Open World. Mm-hmm. Um, I was dressed plain Jane, so just a. I remember I was wearing a Deuper's t-shirt and jeans, hair pulled back, you know, just a blending in. Where our plane was delayed, and also back then people in the airports really didn't speak English. You can find anybody nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. Back then, uh-uh. so we're trying to like talk to this lady that our plane was delayed. We need help. She didn't know English, and all of a sudden a guy. Tapped on my shoulder, and then he's like, Are you bonica Brown? I'm like, Who are you? <laughs> I was like, My mom, and I just looked, he's like, Hi, my name is I can't, I was like, Yari something. It's like, I signed the certificates for your world records. I'm like, Re, yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 that's out awesome. of the
2: blue in Finland. I think we're in the um, we're in the nimi airport, that's where we were at. So it's Helsinki to Rovaniemi. And he did all his, you know, finished talk and told the lady what was going on, used his phone, called the meet director. And oh, awesome. so you do kind of want to stick out in the way. Yeah. So you never know who will find you in the airport in the middle of nowhere.
1: That's cool. Like, uh, yeah. I definitely had a lot of those experiences, <laughs> like running into random people and always from powerlifting. I feel like every time my wife and I travel... We run into somebody that I know from powerlifting in an airport.
2: I don't know. It's the best uh, ever. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah it's, it. uh,
1: it's pretty cool.
0: Um, so you, go go ahead. ahead, Ryan. Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, no. no, you go ahead. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned that um, uh, that powerlifting is kind of something you thought you could do for a, you know your whole life, uh, You know, seeing original Hackney and whatnot. Um, but you did take like a pretty extended period of time off from 2008 to 2013. Was there any reason yeah. you took that time off? Were you still well, training or
2: no? I didn't do any training. Um, well, I met my ex, <laughs> So now we're separated. Um, but I met him and it was just life, school, and work. So mm. I was going to school and I was working a couple jobs and just driving all over the place. And you know, I I just stopped. And then years later, you know, and I was working at a gym and I didn't even get to work out because I was juggling other jobs. And then it's like, I'm tired of this. I'm I'm done. I'm doing something else. I want to start working out again. And so I just found my own drive and motivation again to start training. That's awesome. Yeah. But I wish I kept like learning from my own mistake there. I wish I continued lifting or doing some type of training. And so I tell lifters now, I'm like, even if you're not competing, that's fine. But please keep lifting because you don't know what you could be you know, that's like me, I always wonder what, where I'd be now, where would my strength be if I didn't stop?
0: Right. You know, were you intimidated to come back to it? You know, having had the success before you kind of stopped, were you scared to come back and, and not sure where you would be or it didn't. Matter. No, I
2: was peer pressured. <laughs> 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 and February 2013, I started working out just to work out. And so like, I really didn't do that many um, powerlifting movements. I was doing, you know, I was making up my own workouts. I, I'm good at it. I was doing supersets and just like lifting random things and machines and just having fun mm-hmm. and making sure I do my cardio. And then I started getting into the, the barbell movements. But I knew, you know, and everybody, well, majority of people know, like, you just start out like you never lifted before. So I just started out with low weights. And I just, you know, was doing like, honestly, like he was doing sets of eights and tens just to do it because I I wasn't planning on competing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, a power lifter can spot a power lifter a mile away in a gym,
1: right? (laughs) There's a few giveaways. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So a couple of gym members after a few weeks of studying me, one eventually came up and he's like, well, what competition are you? Like, are you training? I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I've been out with the game for a while. No, I'm not going to do it. And, and I asked him when the meet was, and it was like four or five weeks away or something like that. Um, so that afternoon I went home and, you know, back then it was just Facebook. Um, okay. Yeah. We're we're going back inside. Um, But back then on Facebook, you could see when you write on other people's walls. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote on a local lifter here in Nebraska, like, hey, are you going to this competition? Other ladies saw me write on her wall. And like it was Katie Dodge, Regina Hackney, and Miss Priscilla Reevech. And they're all badgering me trying to get me to come back and and priscilla (laughs) priscilla even wrote i will pay for your membership and your entry fee if you do that competition (laughs) and i'm like okay i'll compete but i didn't let her pay i I felt bad so legit that day i printed off the form and filled it out and i turned in my entry to do a competition five weeks later
1: and you've been at it pretty much ever since
2: yes i've been at it since i listed raw and at then, we didn't need a, um, a qualifying total for Raw Nationals. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a week later, uh, Kim Walford's like, see you at Raw Nationals. <laughs> 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 because I'd known Kim for years before that, you know, before I took my break. Right. And so, Priscilla Peer pressured me. Kim had her hand in it. And I went to Raw Nationals. And, you know, I just kind of kept going. <laughs> Legit, I ain't making it up. All that happened. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. I
1: know. <laughs> no, I, sounds, sounds yeah. good. Sounds <laughs> good. Um, so I want to ask you a little bit about sort of some of your, your work between both Raw and Equipped, because you've, you've been really successful in both. Um, I believe right now you hold two Equipped world records and four yeah. Classic world records.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, I have. So Equipped, it's just uh, squat and total and raw it's the squat bench single bench in total yeah
1: just just, just uh-huh. the squat total world record
2: <laughs> <laughs> so but i hold that squat dear to my heart more than anything
1: absolutely um <laughs> have you always kind of had this sort of dual focus with your lifting where you're where you're really pushing both raw and equipped or does it kind of ebb and flow? Or can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like for you? Does it just depend on what meet is next?
2: Yep. Like I focus on what competition is coming up. And I know the other competitions are there. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like, I don't like staying back burner, but they are because they're the next one. But oh. I do think about that also. Um, so I, I just focus on what I have to train, you know. And then I just split my workouts into raw and equipped. And I listen to my body and hydrate and food whenever I can't sleep, you know, but it's just one competition at a time. Is this like what I'm always just focused on.
0: Right. And yeah. did you find like you had to work harder maybe at classic or equipped or have they both kind of come equally natural to you?
2: Oh no, I had to work hard at both.
0: I, yeah, <laughs> of <it's>, course, obviously.
2: <laughs> um, But it's also just getting The workout partners around. So, like Mm -hmm. at one of my gyms, I go to, like, if there's nobody around, I don't get a bench workout in for raw, because I'm not, I'm only going to go so heavy by myself with that lift off. Mm -hmm. You know, and I look at guys like Taylor Atwood, I'm like, how are you lifting off that much weight yourself? Oh my goodness, I can't do it. (laughs) You know, I'm doing like half the weight, but, you know, so I'm also limited, you know, and, and after every workout, when somebody's there to spot me, I, I tell my spotters, with gratitude I'm like thank you if you weren't here I don't get a workout and if you weren't here I wouldn't be a champion so it's thanks to you that I'm able to get far into the sport you know Mm -hmm. it's not just me it's everybody else around and I tell them every time every time
1: and so have you always had that community aspect or were there times where you kind of you know, we're craving that and maybe it was tough to find, uh, at certain gyms and stuff, because I'm not sure where all you've lived and what all gyms you've gone to. Um, but is that something that's been pretty consistent? You've been able to find good, good training partners.
2: Yes and no. <laughs> My main gym, uh, which is Bob's fitness center. Um, it had a great community, but then just one thing after another, all the guys disappeared and mm-hmm. it's like, I'm left. And, and the joke is, and it's true, it's just so they all got married, they all get girlfriends, and then they're kind of gone. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no girl's going to take me away, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still remain. Everybody else left. Um, but I do go to another gym, Omaha Barbell, and right. that family community is awesome. Um, they're always there to help. And they're excited whenever I lift, <laughs> especially training for Dubai. They're like, "You're gonna do more weight. You're gonna do more weight." I'm like, "No, let's back off." We're <laughs> easing into the equipment stuff, guys. They're like we've got awesome. ten weeks. We're okay.
1: <laughs> I think that's that's the kind of community you want, right? Are those people who are like rooting for you and almost want it as bad as you do for you? That's that's yes, awesome.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: Um, so I have one more question here uh, specifically about, and I don't know if I've spoken to you about this before, but I really, really enjoyed that video that you did with White Lights Media uh, about your trip to Reykjavik and those uh, the Reykjavik games specifically. Um, so to start off with, you you talk in that video a little bit about how you like to come into meets without a plan. <laughs> right? (laughs) Like without necessarily maybe knowing your openers until you get to the warm up room or until you get to how things are feeling. Has that always been the case or is that something that kind of recently developed? Was there something that, that happened to make you start, you know, uh, framing meets this way or yeah. So
2: when it comes to like team USA, like the coaches, they always want your game plan like four weeks ahead. It's Mm -hmm. like, I got four more weeks of training. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. And then like, I ran into it too many times, whatever's written on that piece of paper, that's all they will follow. They won't, they won't divert off of that. And I don't like that. Okay. And it's like, anything can change. Like I might want to go lighter. I want to go heavier. You know, I don't know. And it started like it was annoying starting in 2016. And then actually 2018, uh, when I went to worlds in Canada, Mm -hmm. that was the first time I had zero, no game plan. And that was one of my best competitions of my career. Awesome. And So just kind of I, going I in just, and
1: taking what's there.
2: Yeah. Like, I have ideas of my openers. So I'm like, I'll just give you my openers. And then, like, when it comes to warm-up, they want to stick to that warm-up plan so strictly. I'm like, whoa, I want to do my second warm-up set again. My body's not ready for the next weight, you know? Mm-hmm. like so and it, and it was funny actually world's um last year I gave Ari in like a written down piece of paper of my warm-ups he's like why are you handing me that you know your <laughs> warm-ups you just tell us what to put on the bar you're solid yeah. yeah and like and so being a rebel being rebellious I obviously gained his trust mm-hmm. and he knows I'm not gonna screw around like yeah I do minorly like with jokes and whatnot but like I'm there for business. I'm gonna accomplish it, and whoops, I cussed, and we're trying That's to okay. get. That's <laughs> okay. And we're on a mission. We're going for the gold. Like so, and he knows. I always try to give it in kilos, and they just whoop, load it, and I just go for my set. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, it sounds like you found it maybe like a little bit confining to have too much scripted out ahead of you and I, I get that I think there's so many things that can change on the day so many things that can be better or worse than expectations so uh yeah I, I can definitely appreciate that approach um, exactly
0: um doing it that way which is very really interesting to me because <laughs> I generally have a good game plan but like I, I definitely I've also played through like all the variables in my head and all the like what if I miss my opener what if I missed my second attempt sort of thing like do you do that kind of stuff visualization beforehand
2: Whoa! when I, if I miss an opener, obviously we're just going to repeat it, you know, but like majority of the time, you know, whatever my opener is, I tell like the coaches, so especially quick, James and Jeff, uh, love them. I love them so much. Um, <laughs> I just say, I want 25 pounds. It's our, like, no, this is what I like. I like communication. And mm-hmm. so after every attempt, they come up to me and they say, hey, I think you could do this. You could do that. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. We communicate, not just, all right, we're going to plan by go over there. I don't like that. I, I want mm-hmm. to talk to me, you know, let me kind of know what I'm doing because hearing that, you know, okay, well, I guess kilos, like wait, I always say kilos, I kind of go back and forth my time, but like, you know, I'm going, okay, I'm doing a 10 kilo jump. So I kind of prep my my mind and body, for doing a 10 kilo jump. We're doing 15 or 20 or 12 and a half, five, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I can get into that mental state. I don't know, get like I don't know what the full number is. I just know that jump and I get ready. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's what I like. It's communication. And then like knowing the coaches are there in my corner and they we just all agree on the same board.
1: Yeah. So just so that, being being a part of the process basically, right?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I just don't like it like I'm the little puppet. Yeah, we do what you want with you. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, no, no. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. So do
0: you like to uh talk more about that? Do you like to know what's going on in a meet? Like, do you like to know your placing? Do you like to know what your competitors are doing? Or are you kind of like head down? I know I need to do a 10 kilo jump and let's just go do it.
2: Both. So, it kind of depends.
0: Mm-hmm. And right. I do
2: want to say I do let Jeff and James be like, I don't care what to put on third third attempt. Let's go. Whatever. Don't tell me. I do do that also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's both. It kind of jumbles around. Like, the World Games, I honestly did not know how neck and neck the whole damn thing was until I watched it on YouTube. And I was giving a stink eye to the wrong girl. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, compete against that one? Oh! I <laughs> do so wrong person, I didn't know it was neck and neck, but, like, that competition will always pick me, like, James is like, you have to pull this. We got the number on there. You can do it. Just go out there, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's also a good thing at the time. Like a few years ago, not working with kilos. I don't know what's on the freaking bar. I can't do them. I can't. I know four reds and the two and a half was you know five hundred and that's it. Anything above below, out yeah. the door. No idea.
0: <laughs> that's cool. It actually goes to a question I had about that World Games actually, and oh, and okay. it was such a it was such a tight. It was such a tight race between you and Tatiana um, and that you needed that third deadlift to win. I wondered if you kind of knew what was going on and uh, if you knew what you kind of went through in your head beforehand. Like, like, did you, do you, I don't know. I was curious going into that because it's your (laughs) third attempt. You have to pull us to win kind of what was going through your head.
2: Well, like I didn't have it. So like both I would say for Leanne and I, we both lost 10 pounds before we were competing. And so we all lost weight that we didn't want to lose, but I also made it harder because like everybody else was weighing less. I'm like, well, at least I caught up and lost weight. And it's a battle of wilts. I kind of knew what I could do. I didn't do what I wanted in squat. I was like, I only did 684, 685 or something. And I was wanting to do 700 that day. I didn't do that. And bench, like eight out of 10 of us, we all didn't get our first attempts. Um, So... I lost, you know, uh, well, I only got one bench in, um, so I lost numbers there. And so when it came to deadlifts, it, it was. I'm like, James, do the math. Just do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we stuck. I can't, Like, we might have raised my opener a little bit, get something solid in, and then James just did the numbers game after that, you know. And he knew what I wanted and wanted to go for it and be the super heavyweight to, to get that gold. Yeah, so it's all, all thanks to James. <laughs> and and Jeff keeps me cool, and I give my music. Yeah.
1: And so before that deadlift, were you doing uh, – was, was that where the line dancing started, or the, did the line dancing not come around <laughs> until 2019?
2: Oh, when did the line dancing
1: come
2: around? <laughs> um, I wasn't line dancing then. I think that – well, I know I did do. Yeah, because that was 2017. I started to think line dancing that winter is when I started. So 2017, no, it all came around in 2018.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> that's when so I learned it. The reason I, I bring up the line dancing is because I just, I always go back to that. And I think that's such an awesome uh, example of of sort of the way that we can think about pain and injury. Uh, especially in yeah. the context of a meet, because coming into that, I, I was watching again that white lights video, and you know, one seventy in the warm up room is is really hurting you to to unrack for your squats, uh, and you yeah, ended up, I, I think, squatting you. over two hundred that day. Um, I
2: have no idea.
1: <laughs> but and then going through most of your deadlifts as well, um, but just kind of seeing you adapt to that situation and be like, okay, you know, this isn't ideal. Uh, and then come from this place of like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap to then dancing before your third deadlifts. Was that, is that something that you've done before or something that you've been able to like that process? Um, have you dealt with many injuries before? What, what can you tell us about how you, well, you mentally approach those kinds of things and roadblocks?
2: I always look at everything with a positive and always try to get a positive out of anything and everything with every competition. And you never know it's going to be thrown at you, and you got to be like a quarterback. You're like, "Whoop, he's blocked. We're going over here." Right. Um, but yeah, like the trainer, he like overstretched and overworked my back so much that it was just so wobbly, and I was not stable. I felt like this the whole entire time, my low back while I was trying to squat. Hmm. My muscles were fine, but just my low back, it was not stable. Um, and so, what I always believe in, so you got to find what makes you happy. So, like, for me, like, when I warm up, like, my first warm-ups before working out, they're, like, happy songs that make you smile. Just mm-hmm. like in the movie Creed, when Rocky finally said he'd train Adonis, um, he played some goofy, funny song and gave a little speech about that. And it's like, oh, that's what I do. I've been doing, look at that. It's in the movie now. Oh. <laughs> um, and so... Yeah, I was sad. I was really, I was very depressed. And I'm still embarrassed about it to this day because I was wanting to go in there and I trained so hard. I knew what I could do. I wanted to set all the records and then it was taken away in a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. And I felt so, and we'll still, whenever, still feel like um, a disappointment, honestly. I felt like a disappointment. I didn't put on, because you know, like, Once you get into Elite Lifter, everybody wants a show, but they don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. You know, the travel, you know, up to the competition, food or sleep, you know, and actually before the World Games, I moved four times, four different locations before I competed.
1: During Uh, that training cycle?
2: No, days before the competition. Oh, shoot. Okay. Okay. I moved four times. But in Iceland, it's just like, I'm not going to bomb out. I don't want to, I'll never, well, I do not ever want to bomb out of a competition. I'm not going to wimp out. I'm just going to be strong. And I just had to do every ounce of will. And I'm just going to do what I can on that platform to push my body a different way. Um, The line dancing, it makes me happy. But also, um, my favorite song to dance to is Moves Like Jaggers. So that's what's in that video. And so that, it moves your hips. And it just it alleviated the pain long enough to to go out on that platform. Mm-hmm. Um, the bench, I could barely get down and up. I didn't have an arch. I had no leg drive because I was thinking positive. You know what? I can't squat or deadlift. I'm gonna go for the bench record. Mm-hmm. So that was the other motivation. Even though the other three are off the off the table, I could still go for that bench. You just have to get a total. And but no leg drive, no arch, you know, I, I couldn't, I didn't have it, yeah. but I'm still happy that I had a decent bench that day. Absolutely. And then the deadlifts, the deadlifts, I just did conventional and just one deadlift. I, I couldn't do the pain. I couldn't, you know, get down there and, you know, just hold it long enough. I'm like, okay, down. Okay. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: think that, I think that might be the new, the new Bonica Brown like signature t-shirt <laughs> that just says no bomb outs and no wuss outs.
2: yeah yeah exactly i was i wasn't gonna like no because like um like samuel he was the one that was doing all this he's like Mm -hmm. i know other lifters that if they were you they would just walk out and just leave yeah and i'm like no i'm not doing that no i'm gonna make a total i'm gonna get a total
1: that's really cool yeah um ryan sorry maybe we'll (laughs) get into some uh, yeah equipped or like um, more equipped specific stuff so you talked
0: about uh if you're training for equipped you kind of focus on that if you're training for raw you kind of focus on that um when you're training for equipped like are you in your equipment a lot do you do you kind of are you a weekly kind of equipment person or kind of like a once every two three months sort of thing
2: <laughs> well i'm gonna have to get into equipment soon if our nationals are still going yeah right. um, but I, it's once a week. Uh, I mean, like, so, like, squat once a week. Um, and then I deadlift, you know, once a week. And then the bench once a week, you know. Right. Because I go to Omaha Barbell, and so we train as a team. And so, and there's no way I'm going to do all that in one day. Like, you know, broth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just pray that I'm okay when I go to a competition. <laughs> but, no, we just have our team effort. And, like, my numbers, like, um, and they go up and down. You don't know, have heavy, heavy weeks and light weeks. Mm-hmm. I just listen to my body, but I think the squats, I'm going to alternate like raw and equip Cause I, I ain't going to sit there and, you know, do all I, I think it hurts me to constantly do like six, whatever, every single week, you know? So right. I like might back down, do a raw week and then go back to the Let the CNS recover. Um, but Yeah, I never get a true training cycle, so I kind of have to, it's kind of different every time when I get ready for a competition.
0: Yeah. So kind of like on average, how many weeks out from your competition would you start getting into your gear?
2: I started looking, I think I should this weekend, (laughs) because our competition, (laughs) I think I should. (laughs) I me next weekend, I started looking at the calendar like, oh, it's June, we better get going on that.
0: because you guys you're you're uh middle of august is that right or end of august
2: yeah yeah let's see i booked the ticket i think the 13th or 14th of august yeah yeah i was like oh i should do that
1: (laughs) so that's what nine or ten weeks out at this point
2: that's good something like that yeah Yeah.
1: i think that sounds fine
2: (laughs) Well, well our gyms are just like so here in nebraska it was two weekends ago um we could have more people in the gym because before mm. that it was only 10, including okay. the staff. So Omaha barbells where I do all my quick lifting. It's like, we can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then last weekend was pride doing the, you know, the coaching course and other things. And so this week was like, this past weekend, it was just like, Oh, just get in the gym and just see everybody figure out a game plan. And then, and then we'll start playing equipped. So not totally my fault, you know, <laughs> we were limited
1: <laughs> i don't think either of us are, are giving you shit for it it's okay nope. <laughs> i haven't i'm not in any gear right now so <laughs> yeah
2: when's your nationals
1: uh we
0: had it in we did it march. in march yeah oh okay
2: that's why you're not in gear
0: it was like the week <laughs> the week before the world started falling apart so
2: oh you guys yeah. are lucky <laughs> yeah
1: just just barely yeah <sighs> um so did you train in texas for a while
2: i go visit my friends we always go to the okay gym. okay yeah
1: because i also managed to dig up some youtube footage of you doing really oh, heavy calf raises ah, uh, ah, with, ah, with, abe. <laughs> with abe and anas yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah it's one of those
2: weekends i go to dallas and visit
1: okay sweet Metroplex. so And, like, you actually really, like, you really had that thing loaded up. I Like, I don't think I could do that on a calf raise, which makes me think that, like, do you train your calves regularly? And as as more of a normal picture or a normal question, rather, um, do you do a lot of things that you think go against what most people would think is, like, standard powerlifting uh, training? Do you kind of just, like, go in and do stuff that you feel like is fun as opposed to just Slogging through only squat, bench, and deadlift, or how do you kind of structure your programming?
2: Both, <laughs> <laughs> both. Like I do a program, like Kyle Buckland is my coach. Um, but yeah, I still do my squat, be- squat, bench, deadlift. But I do venture off, and I'm like, I'm gonna do log press today. I'm gonna do ax. I, I venture off and play with strongman stuff. Like okay. I'm gonna play with the yells. Let's try to pick this up and walk with it. You know. <laughs> So there's structure and, and I am rebellious and I'm like, I'm bored. I'm gonna go play and do something.
1: Or I would do a bodybuilder
2: workout. Yeah, it's like, hey Juan, when's when your next back day? Or oh okay, I got the shoulders. Okay, I'll do a shoulder workout. I like, whoo <laughs> You wore me out. You broke me, Juan. I'll see you in a couple weeks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you get a little <laughs> little spontaneous with it then.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Okay. So cool.
2: I, I venture off and play. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Oh don't you gotta you gotta do it every once in a while I got spots it up.
0: Yeah, so I seen I seen you do some like strongman training on your on your Instagram and stuff. <laughs> Have you ever done or dabbled in strongman competitions, strong, man competition? strong woman competitions, I
2: suppose? Yeah, I got peer pressured into that too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I had like a week a, and a uh, half
2: notice that <laughs> I was doing my first strongman competition. So I was like, Okay. Cause on coincidence, I was going to Texas and I called her my twin, Brittany. Um, she just take me and just put it in like a four foot 10, four foot 11 body, strong woman. just like this little muscle beefcake thing. Um, we're so much alike, it's unreal. Um, and I'm like, Brittany, I can watch you compete. This is awesome. Next day, yo, you're going to do this competition with me. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, like, what are the events? Oh, heck no, I ain't doing no Alice, guys. <laughs> but nope she's like you're doing it I'm like okay and so I flew down there two days, and I had like I've never had this stomach flu thing before like the lining of your stomach is constantly being like torn well I felt like crap but two days prior to the competition I learned how to do the continental clean and press get the gist of picking up the atlas stone and carry a keg (laughs) and then I I did it I had fun (laughs)
1: yeah. <laughs> and how did how did you do on the day did it come oh, I together for you on the dump.
2: Yeah. oh i fired up this one chick i was going against oh she was mad because <laughs> <laughs> i came out of the blue and britney's like you're competing against her you're giving her motivation because she complains about how no one ever go against her i'm like thanks Brittany. throw me to the wolves okay This little power <laughs> lifter coming in here but i did she gave me the evil eye the rest of the day after them deadlifts and continental clean and press oh man sheesh and then well, obviously i didn't win which it was okay Right. but man that chick was fired up and she just like boom the rest of the event. So that good. Was good motivation
1: yeah that's <laughs> good and again coming out of nowhere you seem to like to do that hey
2: yeah that's what i did so then after raw world um in 2019 then I had like two or three weeks to actually train to do the strongman competition in Houston. Oh, okay. And it came out of the blue again. I thought my competitor didn't know me because I kind of lied to her. I said, Hi, my name's Felicia.
1: Felicia? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but she knew who I was. <laughs> I'm like, How do strongman competitors know powerlifters? I'm like, I don't know any of you guys. <laughs> she knew who I was. And, uh, and uh, I kind of beat her, and she wasn't very happy. <laughs> mm. Because in Strongman, at all, all the local competitions, you have to get first place to go to nationals. Right. And so I came out of the blue and I beat her, and so I forced her to go to a different competition to get first place. Ah, um,
1: uh, but... <laughs> yes, okay. And she was none, none too happy about that, I take it.
2: No. And then I had to tell my real name and who I was. And then other people were like, oh, my gosh. I was like, oh. I thought I could hide, and I didn't hide very well.
1: <laughs> All right. So we, uh, we have a segment on the show called Gearhead, where we talk a little bit specifically about your powerlifting equipment. Um, what you like to use, suits, uh, which cuts, which brands, which whatever uh, that you like to use. So what What are your, your favorite pieces of equipment uh, and, and what do you like train or compete in?
2: I'm a Titan girl. Okay. Um, and I get my custom suits. And if I like, um, I honestly I get them altered by my friend, Mike Haffenbrock. I'm like, Mike, okay. help me. And if I get to see him in Texas, I bring my suits with me, and he gets his tape measure and his little notepad, and he, like, wrenches them up, because he always complains how they're never tight enough. And so, like, he, he helps me out with that. But I wear my um, Super Centurion um, squat suit, Super Katana bench shirt, which is actually a bench shirt from um, Jeff Snyder. It fits okay. me. Like, his bench shirt. I just take it, tight. It fits. I'm Not doing huh. anything to this thing.
1: Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Is that a low cut uh, super katana or a regular?
2: I, yeah, it's a low cut one.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, not okay. super
2: low. Not low enough. Has a little boop. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, oh my knee wraps. I only like to use the titanium because so they're nice on my skin. That's true. Okay. Truth. Okay. I'm a little. I'm a little princess.
1: And have you have <laughs> you tried the other uh, like other other types of wraps? And they're just not. Yeah, they
2: hurt. Yeah, they do. <laughs> really... <It> hurt. <laughs> I, that. I don't want to be in that
0: much pain. So I, do you I do you, you said uh you said um sorry if you guys name does all your gear modifications for you? Um and, yeah,
2: my cap and Brack.
0: And do you do a lot of modifications to your stuff or just whatever he makes you do?
2: Um well, like it's whatever so when I, like, so when I get into my equipment now, I just put it on, see how it feels or whatnot, and I send him videos to show, like, hey, this is how, like, my hands are getting into this, and, like, show him the straps. And if there's any adjustments needed, he writes it down, and I mail it to him because he's in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he does it, and, like, once he gets it, he does it that night. No matter what he's doing, after his tasks of the day, he will stay up late and do it. And then he gets it out in the mail the next day to me and I get it back within a week yeah. for the like, next training session.
1: That's a good like, friend to have. Amazing. What's this guy's phone number?
2: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: I'm just kidding. I'll send you, I'll send you
2: his um, Instagram. It's um half lift or something. I always have to type it in. Okay. Yeah, but he's he's a sweetheart. Like he actually coaches the Sam Houston team. Okay. And and like I don't like so when I was a younger lifter, obviously a 90 kilo, I can't fit into that now. And when he started his team, I gave him all my old equipment, like 30-some pieces of equipment to start oh, nice. his team up. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. So if you have old stuff, you can send it to him. He always needs it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so with those modifications, are there? Do you, have, do you have preferences? Like are you a tight strap kind of person, tight hips, tight legs? Is there anything specifically where you're like, if I'm not getting the pop I need, this is what I'm going to tighten up?
2: Um, the hips? And my thighs are what we always do um, Mm -hmm. because I'm kind of gifted in the front here. My straps can't be super tight because when it gets, because like, so whenever anybody puts my straps on, they're always complaining that it's loose. I'm like, don't worry. I get down in the hole. It's not loose. That's where you want it. That's where you want to be the most compressed. If it's Mm -hmm. tight here, trying to get it on me, I can't get down because I have to go through like all this in the front. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So for me, because of my body style, my straps are loose, but everything else is fair game to be tight. Okay. everything else is fine yeah Lock my straps <laughs> maybe a is little that, bit little. is that
0: the same in your deadlift suit
2: yeah same thing with a deadlift suit <laughs> like if it's because like i can't breathe because all this gets right. pushed in and i'm just like Ugh. yeah can't breathe <laughs> but yeah same and, game with the deadlift suit definitely
1: and so what about your bench shirt are you like oh, prefer tight sleeves or <laughs> okay so that was that was the piece that you you got from sorry what, what was the name again
2: jeff so, snyder jeff he's a bench snyder. only guy okay yeah.
1: okay and yeah, then and you just will never make any modifications to that because it fits you no know, i just
2: got to get a new shirt of that so I'm okay. like, like of his i'm like jeff what is the newest serial number of your best shirt <laughs> and i'm going to give that to titan and that's perfect. what i'm going to get because it fits so apparently him and i like I don't, it, it just works yeah And i don't want to if it ain't broke don't fix it and i, it, uh-uh, I ain't fixing it
1: I think that's specifically a thing with bench shirts. Like when you find that one, did you have the same kind of back and forth and going through a million different styles and sizes and modifications and crap just to get a bench shirt to work for you? Is that kind of where this is coming from?
2: Yeah. And I couldn't figure out what was ever wrong with my old shirts and it just wasn't the right style. Wasn't the right cut. And, and then all of a sudden, like when I was in North Carolina and Jeff's like, you know, only bring a shirt. Let's see if it fits you. And it just fits. And they was and just, you just like
1: put it in your gym bag and and throw it away.
2: Yeah, and I could bench <laughs> for the first time. I could bench. I just couldn't believe yeah. it. So it's just unreal. I just like still like I could. It was it was amazing to just after so many failures and like so many so much trying and frustration, and it's like you have to, like you can't just like I can't, I can't be like Jen Thompson and quit. You know do. You know, clip squat, equip deadlift, and bench raw. I can't do that.
1: Right. <laughs> got, I don't think many do. people can. Yeah.
2: No, so it's like I have to bench. And so it's all thanks to Jeff that I was able to, you know, be a decent kind of venture person thing.
1: Yeah. Sweet.
0: Um, maybe
1: and we'll then, move on to or, I was going to say, go sorry,
0: like uh, flats or heels for squatting?
2: Oh, uh, my heels. I've oh. always. Ever since I started lifting, um, it was always heels and I'm just like, if I have to walk up to the bar and show somebody how to squat, I have done it in like flats. I don't like it, but I have to think about it more to -hmm. demonstrate, you know, you know how you're just on the fly, you're in the gym wanting to leave, you know, and it's like, okay, you got to help this person and you just do it. So like, but no, always heels my whole career, whole career.
1: All right. And then deadlift Uh,
2: shoes. I mean, wrestling
1: shoes. Wrestling I still have the same together.
2: pair. Yeah, I have my same pair since
0: 2004. Yeah. I've <laughs> seen some miles.
2: Boy, they're OK. They're so good. I'm just like Eddie <laughs> Cone, OK? He still has this doublet shoe from the 80s. i got mine from early. That's from fair. Good, goodwill store and playing well.
0: proud of it. <laughs> but you don't squat in your uh, in your sneakers anymore that you started in.
2: Oh, God! OK, OK. <laughs> yeah, I career. saw that, too. Li- okay. <laughs> Since, like, <laughs> when I say real career, like like 2004 is when I got them. I remember that. That's when I. 2004.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I saw that photo too, and you had specifically I commented on the, the sneakers that you were rocking for that squat. <laughs> I was like, very Dave Ricks. <laughs> very Dave
0: Ricks yeah, I was going to say. It's, yeah. <laughs> you guys have the same yeah. shoes.
2: <laughs> yeah. I got the, the Addy Stars, I think is what they're called, the ones that were made in Germany. The Dita ones, yeah. Yep, I still got them. They're over there. I don't wear them, but I still got them. (laughs) Almost whole career. I correct myself. I forgot. I forgot.
1: Very close to though. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we're gonna dive into some questions from listeners because I think you saw Ryan and I put up (laughs) some question boxes on our Instagram and we had a few a few people respond. Um, The first question that came through was. Uh, from from one of our uh, one of our, our listeners was why are you so awesome um, <laughs> can you, can you I answer just, the question
2: I just, I just a positive person i guess like and i just have the the mental drive self-motivation and just keep going and i don't like negative things and i i block it out just mm-hmm. like Reykjavik, i'm like yeah i'm in a bad situation i'm gonna make the best out of it um, and I just like to do anything and everything that I can, you know, because it's fun.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like powerlifting is a really like fun thing for you, hey.
2: Yes, like it's it's family, like you guys are my powerlifting family, and that's what I look forward to. Like going to any competition, it's like what family members am I going to see? It's like mm-hmm. who you look forward to, you know, and like I love it.
1: That's really yeah. cool.
0: Uh, and then next question, uh, this is kind of outside of our boundaries here, but uh, thoughts <laughs> thoughts on squatting 300 raw?
2: Like 300 or pounds or 300 kilos?
0: Kilos. kilos. <laughs> Sorry, we're in Canada.
2: <laughs> hey, y'all Canadians, you guys use pounds and kilos, don't lie. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> we're, we're
1: measurement fluid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, 300 kilos on uh, raw, of course. That's like, of course, a long-term goal because that's a cool number like you know yeah i want to do that i was supposed to do 275 at you know raw worlds i chickened out and did 273 (laughs) (laughs) and i should have done that because if i was doing the math like i could have gotten third bus lifter so i'm like well i screwed myself out of that didn't (laughs) know i was that close yeah
1: there'll be other, other opportunities i suppose
2: yeah
1: um another one we got here was what do you love most about omaha barbell Assuming wonder, this is from I one see. of your training partners.
2: Yeah, I wonder who. I'm curious. Um, honestly, it's the people. Like, I like going in there, and they're all look so cool, they're just like, well, this is in some other gyms too, but like, well, there's a couple of good things. Okay, so like, there was somebody there to spot you, and they actually get mad at me when I don't ask for a spot when I should have. Um, but they're always there to help you, always there, safety, 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 and like, I remember one of the first training sessions in my squat suit, like I walked away, like obviously it was, okay, sorry, it's in pounds, it was six something, so all <laughs> okay. those plates, because we're using pound plates, sure. and I walked away to take my suit off, It's was like, hold on, let me get this suit off, I'll be back to help unload, I came back, it was gone, all unloaded, that's, like that's it's the such best a feeling. community, <laughs> and I was just like, well, I felt bad, I'm like, I, I could have helped, I was just restricted, and I needed to catch my breath, but it's just the community and how they just help each other. And like, like, a friend, he actually got mad at me. I went and like went to the airport and rented a truck because I wanted to get a TV stand and my car wasn't going to hold it. And he found out, he's like, why didn't you ask me to use my truck? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, next time, ask me. I'm like, okay. So it's just like they're really dense family community. That's what's awesome about them. Just Sweet. always there to help. Yeah. Love them.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a, a great place. Um, sit it, sit it. And somebody else asked specifically about your bench shirt, whether you prefer angled or straight sleeves. Probably and if you have Jeff, if yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say
2: <laughs> it is angled. And that was one of the problems is like okay. everybody kept telling me that I should have a straight sleeve and it wasn't working. I'm mean, okay. like, No, this is for you. This is your body soil, the way you march, and blah, blah, blah. And then put on Jeff's shirt, angled sleeve, low cut, total opposite. What I was told was the formula for me. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. So it's angled sleeve.
1: Cool. I, I think and there's that. like a, even a, a bit of a lesson in there for a lot of people listening, maybe that uh, sometimes going against the conventionalism of like, this is what should work. You know, that that might oh, not well, always I, be the answer.
2: Oh, I break a lot of rules. What are you talking about? <laughs> a lot. I, break, I break a lot of those dumb rules, especially Good. with deadlift. Like have yeah. a bar against your, th- uh, against your shins. I can wear a thigh highs. They ain't going to get nicked because the bar does not touch my shins. Because if I do that, I'm too far forward. Right. So the bar okay. is actually like three inches away from me, two, three inches away. I cannot ever have a bar against my shins. There you go. I know. See, look at that. Everybody's like, what?
1: Yep. <laughs> no, that's good. That's perfect.
2: <laughs> and like at one time I had the super wide grip and it's mm-hmm. like I had my back strength. I needed my back strength to help me lift it. And I was too, and like everybody's like, get as close grip as possible. But us big lifters, we can't have a narrow grip on deadlift. And I told that to Joe capellino He finally listened to me. Widen his grip. Now he's doing 800 easily. Now, sexy. Like, like everybody, like I break rules, which it's good. No,
1: fit. that's perfect. I, I love that <laughs> like, idea like of challenging fans. those kinds of things. Yeah. yeah.
0: So one more, one more listener question. I'm, I'm worried that this might be. Uh, you might hurt someone's feelings by not answering this properly. But the question the question is, who is your favorite meat traveling partner? <laughs> I don't know if this is someone specifically asking because they want you to call them out or <laughs> if it's just a, a random curiosity.
2: Who's traveled with me? Oh, it's David. Well, there's what depends. Like I road trip with Danny Thurman and we had a blast together. Um, like David Garcia would come, like he would fly to the competitions and we would have fun. Um, Dennis Cornelius, we were, we're trying to be travel partners. We were, um, when we were leaving, oh crap, what competition was it? We flew from somewhere to Chicago. Um, and then we were trying to go to Belarus and all that together. We're going to do that. Um, meet traveling partner. Well, their competition, I travel alone a lot. Uh.
0: And maybe this is just honestly a random question and it's not like someone looking for the the name drop. Oh, I I answered
2: it like three different ways. I'm like, (laughs)
0: well.
2: Yeah, that's who I traveled with because I'm always alone. Um, Those are the people I did travel with.
1: Okay. Sounds like you covered your bases so (laughs) nobody can get pissed off now, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All
1: right. So we have a few more questions here and these ones we ask everybody. Um, So we'll start off with uh, what would you say is the highlight of your lifting career so far?
2: Um, When I had a, you know, the nine for nine day and setting all four world records in Canada in 2018. That, 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 you know, having that, there's a lot, there's a lot of that great highlights, but to say that you got all four and that was the day that I actually like I, my bench surprised me. So yeah. like I had a low opener and then Ari and I we looked at each other. We're like, your own warm-ups are awesome. Let's up the opener. And we did, and we um and got the record that day. But that, that's one of the many, but that I think, one
1: I wonder how many times that's been done in the open. It'd be interesting to see it. Probably not that many times in the open I to set Serge- all four records in a day.
2: I think Sergey was the only other one. Yeah. Like I did it when I was a sub junior lifter as a 90 kilo, mm-hmm. um, back in the day. And like, we even got to do fourth attempts at our nationals a couple of years. Okay. <laughs> we did it that way too. Um, but, and the raw side, I think Sergey is the only other one.
1: Yeah. That's gotta be pretty, like, I can't think of any examples of that in the open that I've, yeah, that's pretty incredible.
2: That's my, that was my, friend. but of course, like, squatting 600 raw and then finally doing 700 officially in a competition, like the one that mattered, like worlds, because mm-hmm. like that year at nationals, I did 699. I did not want to do 700 at nationals. I'm like, I don't care. I don't want 700 here. I want right. 700 where it means the most at Worlds.
0: Right. Yeah. So, 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 and I know this isn't your, your, uh, strong suit, but what would be like a, one of your lowest lifting, lo- lowest points of your lifting career and, Were there any lessons you learned from that?
2: Well, obviously Reykjavik. Um, In 2015, I was very naughty. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was a tourist before competing. (laughs) Uh. So so I was a tourist in Oslo for two days, walking around and (laughs) sightseeing. And uh, that wasn't a good day. (laughs) Not that great of a day of lifting. Um... And like worlds in Belarus, it was a so-so day, but that competition, I learned that I always took like a week off of like no lifting that did work for me for a time. It did. Mm -hmm. But that competition, I felt like crap. I was taking baths. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And then the day after the competition, I felt the best. And that competition, I learned that I need to keep lifting before I compete. Okay. So like that one, I was just achy and sore. Ugh was not good but those are like the biggest ones that I've had um Mm -hmm. especially Reykjavik like I said I still feel like a disappointment but Samuel says that was like his favorite you know documentary that he's ever done and but I still feel I disappointed people basically because I was wanting to you know we all want to put on a show for everybody and I didn't do that a different kind of show like I guess find a willpower to keep going yeah but not lifting heavy weight like we wanted or yeah. I guess strongman nationals. That's the other, that was the actual downfall when I went strongman nationals. um, I actually like, I really don't know what I did. I guess a tendon ligament. I don't know. It like got stretched in rubber band. It didn't break. It just got stretched And on the first, first event, which was log press. My, it was my best event. And so the rest of the competition, you know, I just had to keep walking, ibuprofen, knee sleeves on to keep it moving. And then the next day, you know, I was crippled and I couldn't continue competing. That I was really embarrassed and I cried a lot. Yeah, I cried embarrassed because I wanted to, to show that a powerlifter, you know, newbie, you know, they can go to nationals and do well. And I failed, and I was in pain. And then that led into our Raw Nationals. That was two weeks later. And I didn't know what I could do. I had no idea. I was still, I actually lifted heavy two days out because I figured out my injury, the more I lifted, it actually was healing, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So I had to keep pushing to go heavier every session, squatting. Like I couldn't squat 405 like a week out. I couldn't. But like uh, five days out, Doing 405, 5 I was fine. So I had to keep slowly adding weight. And when I came to Nationals, and my friend Marty, he was my handler, I'm like, we're going to put in low ball numbers for openers, and we're going to see how warm-ups go. And I doubted myself. I, I, was, I that was. You know what? That was like the most darkest competition. I was more disappointed and saddened at Nationals last year than Reykjavik, hands down. And I doubted myself. I didn't. no idea what I could do in the dark and my body proved me wrong and it your body knows when it needs to when it's game on it it just knows when it needs to be there for you In my opinion, it does for me it did for me mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't know how to word it i'm bad with
2: words at times no, that's like, really okay. bad. Yeah. Okay. but it proved me wrong and like i upped each like my squats and deadlifts i think i upped it 10 15 kilos from like the numbers i originally put in from my openers like marty up my opener this is it let's go and yeah like that was the most disappointing well not disappointing, but like doubting myself i did right. hard hardcore hardcore yeah. hard. i don't like think, that ramp <laughs> do you, do you, <laughs> you think there's
1: do you think there's anything that you kind of learned from that that you take forward now when you're lifting something to like help you prevent uh, getting to that place where you're doubting yourself and, and those kinds of things
2: just, I just never doubt myself because you never know what the body has in store. Because it knew, my body knew it was game on. And we're going to push and do every pound, every kilo we can do on that platform where it matters. And it just saved and reserved its energy, I think, somehow, and just execute it when needed. And it right. didn't need to execute beforehand. And it did on the platform.
1: So you just got to okay. trust yourself, eh?
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So who say... oh,
2: no, would no,
0: no. Uh, <laughs> uh, you say maybe some of your biggest inspirations have been um, over the years? And it doesn't necessarily need to be powerlifters, um, but yeah.
2: Well, like the, obviously the sport most exposed to are powerlifters. Like I am getting into a strong man and learning the ladies and whatnot and that. Um, but I like to look up to the older lifters, the master lifters. Those are the ones that paved us in the sport. And like as. You know, and when people post old pictures, I'm like, I met that person. I know that person. I was at that competition. Like, Wade Hooper, I was tickled pink to meet him, you know? And, like, Brad Gillingham and, um, like, Tony Harris and, of course, Dave Ricks. And, um, oh, gosh, there's just so many. Where am I going blank on others? Um, but, like, even the strongman competitors from back in the day, like Phil Fister, even Marius Pudzianowski. You know what? That was cool to meet him. He actually was in Austria in 2007 at our competition. He was there for days, you know, and cheering people on, and even did this yoke expedition little thing while he was there, and so it's just, it's a lot of just OG strength athletes, and you know, getting into Strongman, you know, like, of course, my twin Brittany, I love my friend Emily, Um, and like, even like Omaha Barbell, I love my friend Mel, it's just There's just people from all over of different inspirations of like, you know, mental health and physical and like a different lifts. I kind of go all over the place. I don't have just one, you know, know. like each lifter can give you inspiration. Like this person inspires me on this one. on This one on log press Donna Moore. I love her to death. Like I look forward to like meeting her again and lifting with her, you know, and like all the things she's gone through, um, there's so many. I'm guilty of that.
0: I was tickled Sorry. pink to meet Hooper, too. Don't
2: worry. <laughs> I was just like, dude, because 2007 Open World, that was the first one a men and women combined. So right, in that's... USA Powerlifting, our nationals were separate. So the women, I could never meet any of the men. It was only the USA Powerlifting Magazine. That's all you could see them in. There wasn't Facebook those early years. Mm-hmm. You could only see them in the Powerlifting Magazine. And so, like when Worlds was combined, it's like, oh, I get to meet all these other guys like Tony Cardella, um, Irving Gaynor. Um, oh, there's other lifters. I can't remember everybody. Um, but like to like, be around them was so cool Like, and be exposed to them. And then 2014 was the last women's and men separated. And when we've been together since 2015. So it's just like you're bringing the community closer together, finally, yeah. you
1: know? so is that something you aspire to is to like be around for the long haul and and be that masters lifter who's still just kicking ass and taking names for decades
2: that's the goal yeah. <laughs> the goal is keep lifting never stop lifting never stop training keep moving i just yeah. want to go as far as i can in the sport and just keep going yeah i think yeah. that's
1: that's pretty pretty inspirational i think that's a, a really good goal to have for sure um so now, looking at the other perspective of that, if if you could, you know, take you know a uh, fifteen-year-old Bonica and give her some advice uh, for lifting or or you know training or whatever, what what would you impart to yourself if you could?
2: Uh, just never stop lifting. Of course, you know I regret that so much. Those five years not right. lifting, but high school doesn't last forever. I kind of had that mental like mentality like i had that but high school isn't going to be there forever and and like i'm so shocked to this day that i can inspire other women other lifters like i'm you mm-hmm. know and it's like you are going to make a path and like you're going to lead a legacy or just leave you're going to have a stamp in history of the sport it absolutely. may not look like it now but you you're going to just keep going don't stop you yeah. know
1: absolutely uh, yeah.
2: never stop lifting that's the biggest thing <laughs> never stop lifting but just don't stop
0: so kind of more of a maybe a, a little jokey of a question is do you have any uh any what's your closest call in equipped lifting and i mean that but, and that's more of like a maybe scary moment or you know uh something something that maybe gear kind of threw you out of the path and you ended up on your ass or
2: when I was in high school, there was a competition. When I did deadlifts, my third attempt, I did land on my back in a in a deadlift suit and like you're like a turtle, I can't get up. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was high school, and I was the last lift of the day. Um, oh the, wow, Like okay. there four plat, four platforms, last lifter, and did a <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did push the bar. I knew, like, oh, I'm going push the bar. Right. <laughs> um. Like, that's the, the most when I, like, I fell. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't get that many missed attempts. Um, honest. oh, no. The time that I was, like, really stressed out was Czech Republic Worlds um, for squats. Um, when we didn't have that many lifters. Us ladies, we have not us super heavyweights have not been having that many lifters. We get, like, five or six, and it's cardio. And it's insane. It's fast. Um, but that competition, um, that's when I learned if there's not that many lifters through it, get your second attempt and go balls to the walls on your third. And so, um, I did my first attempt of whatever it was. <laughs> and then my second attempt was to chip the record. And I literally, I sat down and it felt like only a minute and a half. It probably was. But all of a sudden Jeff is rapping me again. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, you're whatever out. I'm like, what? My heart rate was still beating. Like, you know what I mean? Like you want to mm-hmm. rest, so like your heart rate goes down. I was like 60, well, I would say 75% recovered, but you're still like a little fluttery. And like you can see in the video, you can see it when I'm getting up to do my, that, that was the world record attempt. It's like standing up. I, I didn't, I didn't feel good. It wasn't position. Right. Cause like, just do whatever you tell everybody else, get under the bar. Stand up strong. I was coaching myself through that second attempt, and I just stood up one step. All right, we're out of the rack. Two step. All right. or stance. Third. All right, just make it through this lift. Get this record. Just get it. Bury it and get up. Like, legit. That's what I was thinking Mm -hmm. throughout that attempt. And squat, get down, up, and then rack. And I'm like, I'm not doing a third. <laughs> like, that was, that was, like, scary, like, equipment story for me. Right. Because <laughs>
1: like, I'm imagining you don't normally have to, like, walk yourself through every little tiny bit of your squat, right? By this point, it's probably pretty natural, even in the gear. Like, pretty, just, you kind of go out there and you do what you do. But this was like, okay, one step, <laughs> another step. Yes, like, exactly. really kind of, yeah.
2: I was coaching myself because I was... I wasn't recovered. I was not fully recovered. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that squat was easy. I'm like, it didn't feel easy. It felt like, <laughs> like you're ricketing out of the hole. <laughs> oh, and then I was so pissed off, I just deadlifted raw. That's how tired I was. There was not uh, enough rest. I, I'm, I'm more frustrated how the rule is the 20 minutes starts once the third is, my last lifter is done lifting. That yeah. is not fair. So it's like, well, I'm always at a disadvantage. Like, huge.
1: Oh, being last. yeah. Yeah,
2: and so I might more like get 15 minutes of warming up. You know, it's just like, why can't it be the rule when the bar, like the platform is set up for the next lift and then 20 minutes? And then I was told, well, that's not fair to the lifters that go first. Well, they get 20 more time to rest. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I don't know that they're going to be that. that yeah (laughs) They're not going to be upset. Yeah. Yeah, Nobody's going to be like, I had too much time between lifts. Yeah. How dare you? I had an extra sandwich.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, that's, that's also stressful. It's just like when Becky and I, when we were in Sweden, well, we got done in an hour and 45 minutes, I think.
0: Oh, yeah, that was crazy.
2: Yeah, and so that's when I skipped my second attempt again. And I did it, Um, I think I did at the World Games too, did I? I think I skipped my second. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, because, no, I didn't. No, I passed my third. I passed my third to World Games. But I knew what I was getting myself into in Sweden, and I told James at bench nationals, I'm like, James, we're doing a first attempt. We're skipping the second. We're doing a third. I don't yeah. care. We're doing that I, So I did game plan. <laughs> <little>.
1: There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little bit.
2: <laughs> the, the, that was a scary moment. Just when you're not recovered, like it's just when you're too tired and you yeah. have to try to have that on your back.
1: Well, I mean, that's, that's when things go wrong often, right? Is when you're, when you're not recovered or when you're not doing things as you normally would. Yeah. Um, our next question is, do you have one raw lifter that you'd love to see go equipped? Can you stick that?
2: Uh, well, i Walford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kim, Kim from Equip.
0: Yeah, that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah. Now she has no, done some deadlift onlys. She's done some deadlifts in equipment. So. That
2: doesn't count.
0: Full it's power. true. No, I agree. I agree.
2: Full of course everybody wants to see Ray. That's an obvious. So I'm taking the obvious out of the picture. Yeah. But I don't think people think of Kim. And it's like... So that's the thing about this new age of lifting. Everybody thinks it's just raw. And it's like, you know, Equip's been around for a few years and Kim did lift to quick people. She wasn't just raw, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. Like she was an equipped lifter and a badass mm-hmm. back then. Like she was going after that deadlift record with um, Priscilla Rebet, and like she was always there battling out with her. And that would be epic. And her and obviously have Kim go against Marta now and um, totally. Anna Kostilian. Like that, that would be exciting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, if Kim hears this. We all all want that to
2: happen. She's like, how dare you say that? I'm like, what? People need to know you live to quit. What you talking about?
0: (laughs) Uh, And last, our last question we have is, uh, do you have any concrete goals you're kind of aiming for right now? With, I guess, with your nationals here, in maybe eight weeks or nine weeks or ten weeks, and then maybe even further to hopefully Norway?
2: Well, I wanted to squat 750 in Dubai. That didn't happen because I did more than 700 in training. Um, so I still, you know, I'll say it like, yeah, I want to squat seven fifty. Um, I want to break, you know, for a quip five hundred on bench. Finally, I know I have it in me, but every competition, you know, there's a reason why I didn't get to do that number. I mm-hmm. should have done it in Dubai. I just should have. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> um, and deadlift, of course, we all want to break six hundred. Um, and so when it just comes to raw, you know, baby steps because that's different, like equipment. It supports you, but you're still using your body, of course, to lift. Like raw baby steps. So I just want to do like 625 ish, you know, because those are you know smaller jumps. Um, like bench 350 would be nice, and then deadlift. Of course, you know, try to break that 600. Because you know, like a deadlift suit, you do get carryover, but then you don't. Like it helps and help help not. I don't know for me anyway. Help and help not. not. That's a good sentence.
1: It's a lot less of an impact, I think, in the deadlift for sure. Yeah, especially. But still, you pull. Usually, you pull sumo, right? Conventional back and forth. I have no
2: idea what my max is. I have no idea because every competition, you know, just like like World Games, we pulled for the win. Um, Sweden, you know, it was just too damn tired. Um, Czech Republic, I did it raw. You know, mm-hmm. there's just like deadlift kind of just sacrificed itself. <laughs> like, right. just, it, it gets killed from one way or another.
1: It's just what but you it, need to do what she came to do.
2: Well, I, yeah, I want to max in it. Right. <laughs> or like, so after um, Reykjavik Games, my back was still hurting mm-hmm. when I came back. I didn't squat or deadlift for a month, but I had to start training equipped. So like 2019, my back was just trying to recover. And so it would always be fried when I got to deadlifts. So like the suit did help and protect me, but I didn't max. I didn't get to do what I want because I was tired. I mean, not (laughs) me. Like it was just the back itself. Like just like the whole muscles were good. So that's the goal. Let's just find out what my damn max is in (laughs) (laughs) deadlifts. Let's find out.
1: That's good. I'd like to see that. I'd like to find out as well.
2: Yeah, that's it. That's so, All cool.
1: right. so if people want to kind of follow along with your lifting or find out more about you, where can people find you on the internets?
2: Instagram. I am simple. I do that. And it's bubbly power lifter. I Excellent. think it fits my personality.
1: And do you have any, uh, any shout outs or, or any, uh, anything that you're working on that you want to plug, uh, or anything like that?
2: Uh, well, shout out to you guys for asking me to do this. I'm like so honored and in shock. I think it's really cool. So thank you.
1: Thank you for coming um, on and giving us your time.
2: Um, oh gosh, I don't even know where to begin. Like, like I said, there's, there's so many people that help me in my journey. Like, so go to Bob's. It's my friends, Bo and Mike. um, they, and, and Sid, they always spot me on bench one. They stop their workout and they come help me. Um, And then the whole team at Omaha Barbell, there's way too many people to name there. There's like 15 of us. (laughs) Um, But, you know, my coach, Dell, he puts up with me when I have my my sore days or something in life gets away, like car problems or, you know, I can't get to where I need to go. Um, But, of course, it's my powerlifting family sending me random messages and surprising my inbox with, like, how I inspire them. Like, there can never be just one person. And of course yeah. Jeff and James, they always check in on me every once in a while too. Yeah. So it's there's no no way it can be just one person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> awesome. Um yeah. I really I think that that one thing that you seem to like really, really hold dear is that whole idea of a powerlifting family thing. And I think that's just such an important aspect of the sport that uh I think for somebody who maybe is listening from the outside or, or, or looking in from the outside, I think that's one of the things that keeps a lot of us doing this for as long as we do. So thank you for, for sharing your perspectives on that. It's been really fantastic.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. Nice compliment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. We want to thank you for listening to the Equipped, Bruised, and Tired podcast. We're going to be available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are found. So make sure to leave your five-star rating if you enjoyed the show and a review as well and or check out our video version of the show on our YouTube channel. If you have any questions for ourselves, guest suggestions, or questions for our guests, you can go ahead and contact us at equippedbruisedtired@gmail.com, at gmail.com and make sure to do your part to spread the word of the equipped renaissance we'll see you next time